0: Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and welcome to Crossover Commerce. This is episode 121 of Crossover Commerce. This is my corner of the internet where I share the stage with the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce space. They're going to bring the most important insights and most important aspects of selling online. No matter if you're on Amazon, direct-to-consumer, you have your own branded website, we're going to give you the best insights that we can with my network of people that we know to help you elevate your business moving forward. But selling on Amazon is a constant stream of competition. You're competing with other sellers. Yesterday was Prime Day, or the last two days were on Prime Day. So you're fighting with all this competition in the space. And as we move into Q3 and Q4, how are you going to compete for buyers' attention as the people continue to grow their online presence and their spending in the digital and e-commerce space? So with that being said, how do you ensure that you stand out? Well, I brought two of my favorite people in the space that have the insights and the capabilities. And their expertise to share their insights on just analyzing thousands of thousands of product listings over the course of their lifetime being on amazon and being in the e-commerce world so we're going to be talking about that today so i titled this episode amz tear down how to use your product listing to beat your competition but as always crossover commerce is presented by ping pong payments we transfer more than 150 million dollars a day to For Amazon and e-commerce sellers, just like you, helping over 1 million customers now, they've helped convert more than $90 billion in cross-border payments, both either sending to suppliers, manufacturers, distributors, VAs, you name it. We're helping save more money and put it to your bottom line. So go ahead and check out Ping Pong Payments in the show notes below. That way you can sign up for a free account. Thank you, Ping Pong, for sponsoring this podcast. But as always, this podcast is not about me. It's about the people I bring on the show sharing their insights and expertise in the field on Amazon. With that being said, I have two guests today. That's right. It's not just a one-on-one, it's a two-on-one. We're going to make sure that I wanted to have multiple minds on this to talk about and tear down this topic with me today. So just wanted to give a quick shout out to everyone who's watching live. If you're watching us, go ahead and comment your questions. If you have any insights, uh, or if you just wanted to ask a specific question to our guests, you can do that in the comments as well. But our guests today are going to be Jeff Cohen and Casey Goss. Jeff is actually the VP of Marketing and is a globally renowned, renowned expert who educates and motivates e-commerce sellers on cutting-edge ways to improve their business and grow their sales and drive profits. And Casey Goss is VP of SEO at Thrasio, Man, rolls off the tongue there. Founder, uh, he was a founder and built Viral Launch at the age of 21 and helped 10,000 brand. Th- I was to say tens of thousands of brands generate more than 10 billion dollars in sales on Amazon he is currently the executive at Thrasio um, deep, which is deep in the weeds of best practices for success on Amazon. If you don't know about Seller Labs and Thrasio, Thrasio is of course, one of the fastest growing acquirers in the Amazon and third party uh, space of acquiring brands and Seller Labs helps Amazon sellers with data-driven uh, facts and helping build revenue community and gain insights through that data software and services. With that being said, I wanna bring on my guest today Casey Goss and Jeff Cohen of Cellular Labs and Thrasio respectively. Guys, welcome to Crossover Commerce. Let me there we go.
1: Got you both in there.
0: Ryan, you said that two of
1: your favorites. I'm kind of
0: honored. Hey man, for okay, let's let's uh let's go ahead and get it out there. I worked with Casey back at Viral Lunch, so I learned a lot about Amazon Space from Casey, but it's taken this long. It took 120 episodes to get him on here. So um, but he's, <laughs> Super busy, so here we are. To this day, I wanted to make sure that you guys had a really great webinar uh, with Seller Labs in conjunction with a lot of partners. You guys just destroyed, but also enhanced a lot of people's product listings, which is really cool to do live and in person, almost blindly, if you will. So it was almost watching some of the OGs in the space kind of do their thing, if you will.
2: Yeah, I think think at one point, Casey said to me, wow, Jeff, that was kind of brutal. Uh,
0: I feel sorry for the sellers, right?
2: Yeah, I think he said something something to that effect. But I think that when it comes down to it, that's where like, everybody can sit on a presentation and talk about best practices and how many characters to use and, and what lifestyle photos versus infographics versus main images. But when you actually start looking at these, and you actually start seeing what people are doing right and wrong, you'll start to be able to identify maybe some patterns that you might have in your own business. So it was really fun to do that with Casey. I think it was something like you had said, it's been a while. Casey and I have been wanting to collaborate on commerce for a number of years. So we were both, I was very excited to have Casey on um, as well and, and be able to finally collaborate collaborate on developing some content for the community.
1: hundred percent. I mean, yeah, Jeff, Jeff's been in the space longer than I have, which Jeff's been in here a long time and seen a lot of things. So I I think there's a lot of wisdom that comes from that. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's like American Idol, you you know, your friends and family may say, oh yeah, this looks good. It's cool. You're on Amazon, but you know, you may not actually be in a good position to sell. So uh, Jeff's experience definitely brings some of that to light.
0: Well, I think I even saw that firsthand as a buyer yesterday, uh, just flipping through product listings of like intriguing products, but then you get into the weeds of it and you can instantly seeing glaring holes in their products or just their listings in general. It looks fast. It looks sloppy. And it's kind of fascinating even still to the day with all this content out there, why people can't, there's a playbook written by both of you. I would say, why are people still struggling with this kind of basic concept if you will?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's difficult to start a business. There's a lot that you have to focus on. You're running a business, but you also have to understand the nitty gritty details. There's a lot of them, the nuances to Amazon. And so to balance both of those, you're probably a solopreneur. Uh, maybe you have a partner, maybe. Uh, and so just balancing all of that, you probably also have a full time job, potentially at least. And it's just a lot to, to balance. And people are always looking for the shortcuts, the hacks. How can I you know, do this faster? How can I do this cheaper or whatever? And so you're going to cut the corners when it comes to good listening content or your keyword research process or good creative, you name it. And uh, that's what I'd mark it up to.
2: I, I also think Casey and I both come out of the software side of the business, right? And mm-hmm. in software development, you can either choose to do an MVP, which is to get your first minimally viable product up and then iterate it over time. Or you can sit and you can overanalyze and overproduce so that when you release it, it's perfect for the world. Most of us take the lean startup approach, which is that we're going to find pivot or persevere moments. And we're going to constantly iterate on the things that we do. The failure... Is that people don't go back and do the iterations that they need to make. And so, you know, don't, I I speak a lot about analysis paralysis, right? And staring Mm -hmm. at data at making difficult decisions. But the same thing happens with your listing. And a lot of people put their listing up and they set it and forget it. And you can't do that. You have to come back and you have to be evolving your images. You have to be reading the data that's coming back to you conversion data, um, demographic data. Uh, competitor analysis data that's going to tell you what you need to be doing to make your listing even better over time, and so that's where I think a lot of the failures come. Either that, or they are foreigners who don't hire U.S. people to help them, and so it's really
1: obvious that it's foreign uh, generated. Yeah, I mean, even if you know the language, you know, you like you have to. So we we have uh, copywriters for you know each of these markets at thrasio and like one of the kind of key requirements is that you like essentially lived in that country for 20 years or so so just knowing the language uh, maybe your parents you know uh, are, are from the country but maybe you you aren't or you were only there for a few years like it it just doesn't work and so like you have to understand the nuances of the culture and the colloquialisms and everything to to really get it right and there, there's like there's just less and less room for uh, less than optimal at this point. I mean, like across the board, we're seeing Amazon continue to shift more and more traffic to paid placements, um, meaning you're paying for more traffic or Amazon is pushing you that way. And in not only that, but so you would think, okay, there, there's more paid placement, so, so there's more inventory. So therefore costs will go down, but cost is going up. And, you know, there's plenty of articles talking about CPCs going up and being on the rise and, you know, Perhaps some of it may be temporary, but like in general, it's going to continue to go up and be increasingly uh, competitive. And what helps you to get better rates in your paid? Better conversion rates, better click-through rates. And how do you do that? Better h- listing quality.
0: Yeah, right. it, it, we're not, yeah. Okay. Go ahead, I was gonna say it, it's not, and, that, and that's a good point for Casey, but we're not talking about obviously when people start out that they can't do these, these quick uh, hacks to get things launched. We're talking about going back and optimizing as often as, you know, a couple months or a month in making sure that you're up to date on either seasonality, you're talking about what's converting better, how Amazon's algorithm is changing. You don't want to do too much, but you want to make sure that you're constantly making sure that you're, you're hitting all the right check marks too. But you made a good point, Casey. There is, Amazon has shifted this organic product listing page. If you, if you say there was not a lot of space for paid placements, but now all of a sudden everything on a product page is paid placement except for a frequently bought by section and even then it feels like it should be cont- considered a paid placement spot but that being said is organic ranking as important now than it was a year ago two years ago or or will it shift back in the organic direction that you think i mean
1: i have a yes i, I have a yes and no answer to that so it is less important as a percentage of the overall pie, I, I think less and less of the overall sales potential pie is coming from organic. And there's just increasingly more, you know, these sections on on Amazon, like high rated, but it's a, it's a sponsored high rated. Um, and so sometimes you get some very funky products because people are paying it for that. So but organic is still super important from the standpoint of you every sale that comes through your listing is going to help your keyword ranking. It's going to help your review velocity. And so you like organic is uh, becoming increasingly difficult, but as yet just as important as, as it ever has been. Uh, But in a like if you were to compare them relatively, I mean, PPC is increasing its dominance over organic.
2: Yeah. So I I think the way to say it is, is that, PPC is increasing its dominance over organic, but that just means the value of your organic goes up because when you do get organic listings, it's not gonna maybe drive as high a percentage, but the value of those is, is worth more. And I think the pendulum will swing, we've seen it. We have to look at Google um, as, as the, where the world is going because the pendulum has swung back and forth on Google. They've, they've pushed out more ads, they have pulled back the number of ads they have to have a somewhat organic world that's there. But one of the things Casey pointed out during the the webinar that I think was really important to kind of remind people is that there is no silver bullet. And so how is Thrasio and Good Sellers successful? It's not just what they're doing. It's all the things that they're doing. And they're participating in the um, virtual bundlings. They're participating in A-plus content. They're creating coupons. They're creating um, uh, promotional stackable coupons. And it's so no, no, one of these things is, is the magic bullet that just takes off with your sales. But the more of these things that you're able to do, the greater likelihood of increasing that flywheel speed, um, by increasing your conversions. And I think that's, that's, what's really critical for, for sellers today is that, yeah, there's a playbook and, we know how many photos we need to have, and we generally know what those photos need to look like, and we know how we need to write our listings. But that's just not enough anymore. Yeah. You so so a couple of things that we saw from from looking at the listings, we were still seeing people using their iPhone to take pictures.
0: Okay, right. I saw that myself, and I, I I laughed to myself because their picture was. I think the first example you did was they were barefoot in these pictures that they're trying to represent their product. It was not cropped. It was on an iPhone. It was in portrait mode as Casey mentioned, but it was super interesting. Yeah. Continue though. Yeah. But so,
2: so when that, when that occurs, like it's okay, if you need to use your iPhone to get your first images up, just come back to them. Right. Um, I think that, that it kind of is baffling though, that that's still happening i think the other one was is that people aren't really describing what their product does and there were some really complicated products like um horse ankle support you know and you need to explain the features and benefits of your product and so it's it's not about this one thing it's about getting it down and getting it down to your audience and your buyer persona and your and your message to ensure that when your customers come you have the greatest chance of succeeding by selling them your product. And, you know, I mean, the one that made us all laugh was this person who had like some cat food that was like pictured on the floor and it literally, I mean, we're all were laughing and people were texting in and it looked like cat poop. And so, I mean, if that's everybody's initial reaction, then you need to change those things. And I I think Casey, you shared, you know, some simple ways to do some testing to, to, to understand you know, I like to call it the mom test, um, but you called it the American Idol test, right? Like, yeah. how do you know that it's that it's good? How do you know that it's good for your community, not just that people are telling you it's good because they like you?
1: Yep. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think being data driven is is so critical, and ideally, ideally, you're testing both pre-launch and uh, once it's live on Amazon, so you can start to get some of that uh, data and feedback. And I think you should be doing this around price and around your images and, uh, ideally around your copy prior to it going live, um, on Amazon.
0: So, of all, so of all those places, obviously you can AB test. And I think there's, there's great services out there. Like, uh, for example, PicFu. Uh, I know a lot of sellers use that post and just an audience for logo creation, photography, even competition. What are, what are the ones that people, do you think, of all these thousands of listings that you guys have seen over the course of time where people falling short the most, is it evolved over time or is now the time where people are, it's just photography or is it, um, product listings or is it bullet points? What, what are the number one things that stand out to you consistently?
1: Yeah. If I had to boil it down to one thing, it, it would, it would be the fact that there isn't one thing. Uh, you know, so my, you know, my, my saying has always been, uh, Everyone's looking for a silver bullet. You don't need a silver bullet. You need Great. an arsenal, um, and so you have to to be doing everything in order to continue to like push that flywheel. Yeah, if I could just bullet uh, point some items like uh, split testing against competitors pre-launch versus just com- c- like split testing against a couple of uh, options that you have. Both of those options may actually be terrible relative to competitors, and you need to get some data to to back you on that. Um, yeah, just having, uh, so people will either focus a lot more on uh, just SEO terms, so they'll keyword stuff everything, and have poorly written copy, which, you know, does not build a sense of trust or desire in the product, um, or they, they, they swing very heavily the other way, and, and, and they just focus on selling the customer and are missing a lot of keywords. And you'd be surprised at some of the listings that can do like incredibly well without that. The real trick is, you know, marrying the two uh yeah and, th- and then and then just focusing on all the small things right so like as jeff was saying focusing on having those virtual bundles focusing on having those you can have those uh buy one get one deals where they buy multiple uh units of your uh, of a product or they buy uh product a and product b that that strategy is like huge for us we're doing some like really cool stuff with that strategy right now um look, like scheduling lightning deals I talked to so many sellers even still that aren't scheduling lightning deals or seven day deals. And like, especially around prime day, you can make some silly money. You you can like really improve velocity, which helps increase ranking and helps to increase review velocity. Uh, Yeah. That's, that's my bullet. bullet What are,
0: what are the uh, credentials to have a uh, lightning deal? Because I think a lot of people are concerned. It's like a pay to play, almost like a PPC model. Is there a price point that you have to, or a discount that you have to, instantly tell them or what are the criteria around lightning deals? Because I think that's the missing, one of the missing components to standing out um, and instantly just going out of stock because people are deal minded consumers, And I've, I've seen that over the course of my career. Uh, what are the criteria for that? If, if you guys don't mind, Jeff,
2: Well, I think Amazon is now, you know, Amazon now makes the recommendations. You used to be able to apply for your product to have a lightning deal. Now Amazon basically tells you if you qualify for one and when you do, they tell you how many units you need to have and what your minimum discount needs to be. So I don't think the lightning deal always, like you can get away with 15% off. I think it's based off of the lowest price you've ever offered for the product before they want it to be a better price, something to consider. Um, Amazon does look at that over a period of time. So if you
1: what's that? I think it's uh, 20%, at least 20% under lowest price in the last 30 days. Yeah. So, (laughs) so if you're
2: offering a deal, you might want to be looking at a, you know, Casey talked about this again on the pod, on the podcast. Like you got to look at, at a calendar because if you don't plan out your calendar, then you might get, you know, not, you might lose the ability to do it when you want to do it. Because you already, because you're gonna have to go too deep in your discount. And mm-hmm. also remember that, you know, you gotta give enough of a discount to motivate people. So they might say the minimum is a 15% discount, but your product might need a 30 or 40% discount. And I think one of the failures people have is they don't look at those as investments for the future. They look at them as profit centers. And I think, you know. Casey, you probably look at it as investments for the future of I'm going to sell this lightning deal at cost or maybe a loss or a very small profit, but that's going to then generate the additional flywheel that I need to get the halo effect of sales after that period of time. And so I think the mentality of sellers has to be this longer term approach to how do I make money over this whole lot of inventory that I have? versus how do I make money on every unit that I'm trying to sell?
1: Yeah, you have to spend money to make money on it. So like, you know, sometimes we have plays where we've struggled to, to get the bestseller badge in, in the subcategory for a product. We run a lightning deal, we earn that bestseller badge, and then we throw a, you know, he- like a healthy coupon on the detail page to keep the momentum going, uh, helps improve rank, gets our review velocity where we want it to go. And then we can start working on setting that price back, uh, that, that, sorry, that coupon back. But yeah, I mean, you have to spend money to make money and and like just, yeah, to Jeff's point, just be a little strategic about where do you want this product to go and and what is it going to take to get there and start, you know, working along those lines. And yeah, like everybody has a different budget. Not everybody's going to be able to spend the same amount of money, but uh, I think you have to understand where you're going and and, and what it's going to take to get there or else, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to, you're going to end up nowhere.
2: Yeah, the easiest, right. way, the easiest way I boil it down is if you look at your business, let's say you're doing a half million this year and your goal is to do a million. Most people look at their business as I'm trying to double my business from a half million to a million. The better way to look at it is I'm a million dollar business underperforming. And so that would then tell you, okay, well, if I'm a million dollar business, this is what my budgets would be. And this is what I would be targeting and trying to do. And you're actually making investments to get yourself to that point versus trying to um, run your business at at a certain profit margin, um, but then also expecting the growth that you want. You have to make some sacrifices. Most businesses, even though they show a curve of it going straight up into the right, the business is much more jagged and there's, there's seasonality and there's times of profit and there's times of loss that lead to the overall trend going up and to the right. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah, with that being said, there's there's a lot of things that you can unpack there with, especially yesterday and the last two days being prime day or days. Um, there's a lot of competition. You see best sellers instantly be coming out of nowhere because of the investment in either lightning deals, PPC. I've seen screenshots of people's PPC budgets and it, it makes my wallet hurt. For, to an extent, uh, but that's kind of the game that you're playing. If you're not investing in SEO optimization, you're investing in PPC or you're investing in inventory or product uh, in general, you're, there's always sort of an investment into one or the other. In in the case of Lightning deals, you might not be running as many PPC, but you might be getting organic sales from a, a deal that, that could be driving results. You're just investing the money you're investing in PPC is now investing into the loss you're taking on the quote unquote deal. So is there,
2: Casey, when you started, when did you guys start planning your prime day promotions?
1: Well, I mean, you have to think about inventory as well. So right. like, we obviously didn't know the day we were hoping for summer. And so, yeah, I mean, we've been talking about prime day probably since like, you know, Q2 of last year, or Q3 of last year. But and in, in, I I don't know when we're able to officially schedule like lightning deals. I, I don't remember what the date. no. But what
2: I'm saying is that, that that you gave me the answer I was looking for, okay. which is that you know we had a client we had a client last year who was preparing into the pandemic for Prime Day over the summer. Prime Day didn't occur. They they held you know they they had brought in extra inventory. They had scheduled promotions with using their email list, and they actually saw a really great halo effect through the whole Q4 time period. Because they, they realized with their product that their product success is, isn't when people buy it, it's when people use it. And so um, they knew that if they, they could get this product into people's hands, that people would then be sitting down over Thanksgiving. And during Thanksgiving, they would talk about the product and, and the impact that it had on them. And all of a sudden, after Thanksgiving, because Prime Day just happened to work out really well for them from a time perspective. Yeah. So they went a heavy discount for Prime Day to get more users who all sat down at the table for Thanksgiving and talked about this product that they bought, which then exploded their sales for, cyber, for, for the Cyber 5 weekend. But they had this all scheduled out in what they were trying to do. And they almost used Prime Day as a lost leader, if you will to just get the momentum going. And I think that a lot of people are, we're we're still scrambling with what their prime day promotion was in the middle, you know, the first or second week of June. And it's really difficult to expect a return on that investment. If you don't have the backup inventory, you don't have the backup process. If you're not planning to use your external list, if you're uh, not, not working with, you know, uh, maybe editorial people to get editorial posts and, and PR posts about your product and to get you listed on other things. I saw um, Casey, you guys had a deal of the day on, on Amazon's homepage, maybe a day or two before prime day. Yeah, Like those types of things are the things that lead to the greater success on prime day, because you were revving up your sales to put you there. I just happen to know that's a product you talk about publicly. That but right now. What's that? We have one uh, live right now on the homepage. Yeah, so I mean, it's those are the things that you have to do, and the risk that you have to take, and the and and it has to work for your product. And your product, like, not everyone should do deal of the day and go on the homepage because not every product will sell that way. And I think that's one of the misnomers that a lot of sellers have. They think that Amazon will just make their product successful, and it won't. You have to make your
1: product successful on Amazon. <laughs> Yeah. And, and Go ahead. The, Sorry, this is just difficult kind of for new entrepreneurs to to like step back to, to not be entirely reactionary and to like step back and, and, and like think and, and, and try to take these different factors into account. You know, I've just seen so many folks just be focused on, you know, one like just be so myopic around one detail. OK, you know, Jeff and Casey said to do uh, lightning deals. Well, they said they sell out of all their inventory at a price point they weren't expecting, at a discount, and now they're they're going to struggle to to replenish their their inventory. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we're, we're sharing tactics. You're going to come across tactics, and it, it, like, I just can't encourage you enough to uh, every once in a while take a step back and really just you know try to chart things out, uh, put some numbers down on an Excel sheet or whatever, and and just like try to understand where you want to go. And what it's going to take to get there, and your numbers uh, along the way.
0: Yeah, Casey and- saying, it, yeah, don't take our word for every single thing. It's not the holy grail, but the tactics can, in fact, enhance your business to get to one to the other. So it's good.
2: It's about under. It's about taking the words and understanding it, how to apply it to your business. Right. Because you won't be successful doing it because what Casey is explaining, or what I'm explaining, is is this part. And you have to understand all the other parts to properly apply the whole thing to your business. It's why courses are very difficult for people to be successful from because they're trying to learn the information and then apply it and learn the information and apply it. And the course gives you a, a, um, uh, a syllabus, an order in which you should do things, but life doesn't give you an order in which you should do things. And so you have to learn on your own how much you need to do and in what order. And like one of the great stories I love to tell is is at a trade show I was at a number of years ago, a guy was on stage and he was talking about products and, and product research and how to find products. And he started talking about Halloween inflatables and everybody in the room started pulling up their computer looking up Halloween inflatables. And I literally was in the back of the room watching all these sellers going online, buying Halloween inflatables because the guy on stage said the word Halloween inflatables. Yeah,
0: it's and a garlic he, press effect.
2: Yeah. And he came down. That's why we started moving to things like garlic press and water bottles because as, as speakers in the space, we realize that people listen to what we say and, and we feel bad that they are buying Halloween inflatables because They, they don't realize that we just randomly pick something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just one, yeah. One, one late night thought it came to fruition. And all of a sudden some supplier in China or India is all of a sudden getting all these orders for. And,
2: And you can't, and like, if that's, if that's your strategy, that's a really poor strategy. And I think everybody who speaks in the Amazon space will agree with that. And I think that, what, Like Casey said, what we're providing are tactics, and then your job is to figure out how to put your tactics in order and test them against your product and your market and your buyer persona to figure out which ones that work. That that becomes your magic bullet. Casey's magic bullet isn't the tactics that he uses. It's how he applies those tactics, and they're different for every product that, that, they, that they have. Yeah,
0: great. Right. Yeah, what I'm hearing is strategy. Strategy is depending on the product, depending on the category. And I like what I heard was, you know, it's almost like you're using an event, Casey. And you're using an event and you're circling the event because people are going to start to organically show up to Amazon. Like, what do I want to put on my list? What's on Amazon right now? I know I did it personally. I'm like, I'm going to find out what I need, put it on my list and wait. But as you're searching, you're going to come across naturally listed, deals, products, and whatnot. You guys are circling a bookend event that a lot of people are naturally going to go and quote-unquote convert on, but you're getting the eyeballs and the traffic and brand awareness on the days of before and after, which is very smart to get uh, cheaper placements and also uh, ranking that's not going to just like go up on Amazon Prime Day and then fizzle out. You guys are having a sustained strategy, which is what we're trying to incorporate here.
1: Yeah, and we're making sure that the economics of before, during and after align with, you know, the economics we need to in order to purchase inventory and pay our suppliers and you know all these other components that come with running running the business. Like you just got to be able to take it all into uh, account.
0: Yeah, that's a good segue into inventory. This year seemed very very constricting on a lot of sellers because I've read plenty of articles in the space on you know, like CNBC and whatnot, there's lots of articles that say inventory didn't allow for sellers to give as great of a discount because of inventory restrictions. It's very frustrating that the timing worked out how it did, where instantly big time sellers got through, like slashed by 60% inventory limits and they weren't allowed to, you know, sell their natural inventory through or at the rate at which they could or potentially want to. With that being said, how are you, how are your teams taking those? those kind of situations and applying it now that we're going into q3 q4 and some of the busier times for lots of brands
1: yeah i i don't have a ton of insight into this i mean one it, it's a huge headache and has definitely been uh a, a barrier in general our like primary solution is is we now have a, a good kind of third we're in a different position than the average so, so we have you know a good 3pl uh um other providers uh, Mm -hmm. that that can essentially fulfill the inventory for us. We have seller fulfilled prime accounts. So we're able to still have the prime badge while fulfilling um, from, you know, these other uh, warehouses, if you will. And so we, you know, we don't have to adhere to the inventory uh, restrictions on new products because we are starting to launch, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. My understanding is that they're easing up. I honestly, I don't know enough details to really speak to it yeah sure. i think it,
2: it's funny i saw somebody posted a, a there they're, they're are 10 million dollar seller they posted their ipi score at like 500 550 and people were bashing him and i'm like nobody really knows what a good ipi score is they may know what theirs is compared to somebody else's um and i think that invento- casey and i i think talked about this a year ago like at the beginning of the pandemic that inventory has been the story Since May of last year, I'm April May of last year, so it was about inventory getting into Amazon at that point in time. It was people moving to the 3P, then it was the IPI scores changing um, and fluctuating, going up to you know, up to 500, down to 450 and changing right before Christmas. Now it's uh inventory restrictions, uh, and limiting you know, on new numbers. Don't forget that. There's four, three to four times the cost to ship your products in from China right now, if you can even find a container.
0: $16,000, uh, all, your container is consistent,
2: yeah. Yeah, and the, and the people who are winning are the ones who are not just complaining to the press about these problems, but are figuring <laughs> out solutions. That doesn't make you more money? It does, it, it makes you a lot more money if you complain to the press. Um, <laughs> Yes, it can put some pressure on Amazon, but I, I had this conversation with a, a venture capital firm that, you know, is, is they're all, they all went into this space. Casey knows that better than anybody. And I said to him, I was like, one of the biggest problems that Amazon sellers have is that they believe Amazon owes them something. <laughs> yes, we are customers of Amazon, but Amazon really doesn't owe us anything. If I was the boutique store down the street and I was buying products from Casey and Casey had sold me products and decided he doesn't want to sell me products anymore. I'm cut off from that supplier. If you know, like these things exist in the real world, like we can't act like they shouldn't exist in the Amazon world. And the companies that are successful are the ones that are able to adapt and change and overcome when these obstacles are placed in front of them. And so, yes, it's a lot harder to launch a product when you have, Um, new inventory. I know a a seller who got really hurt by that because he had 30 containers of new products he was planning to launch in Q4 and his goal was to be selling over 200 a day and he was only allowed to put 200 in. But he overcame and he moved them to a 3PL and he found other ways to move his inventory and to sell it and and to start building it up. And as he's going into the process this year, he's using this year as ramp up periods because you can't just drop your products in the middle of October and expect to have all the inventory at Amazon that you need for a December rush. And so you just have to make adjustments to, to your systems and your processes to take advantage of the, of the rules as they're, as they're currently written until they change.
1: Yep. Yeah, you know, my, my philosophy has always been change. Change brings opportunity uh, as long as it's a relatively level playing field. In the amazon space and i guess kind of just in life and yeah i mean like if you're selling on amazon uh, there's going to be a lot of change Uh, whether it's algorithms or inventory allotments or rules on getting new brands registered like you name it there's always going to be change and in in your ability to kind of manage through those and keep a level head and, and try to focus on okay what what is the opportunity for me to have an advantage here versus everybody else and so yeah it's a just point play to the full extent of the rules go hard at a, any given point and when they change adapt w- adapt with it but if you're you know sitting on your hands waiting for this rule to change or this thing to change that you know is going to change at some point like you're you're letting everybody else pass you by like n- no excuses at the end of the day how much money you make is uh dependent on you know your own decisions and how you respond to external events and uh yeah, if you want more money, work through it. If if you wanna complain, then you're gonna pay the price regardless.
0: Right. That's great advice because a lot of people entered the space, what, back in 2014 and 15 with the notion of throw up a product on Amazon from a supplier or anywhere from Alibaba, be the decent at listing your product, going back to our original point, uh, and then just sit on a beach or somewhere and just like watch your money come in, but we're seeing now the barrier to entry and barriers to grow your business start to come higher and higher. And that's weeding out a lot of unsightly competition that's coming out. That's weeding out brands who are not doing it correctly or people not wanting to grow appropriately. When in the business world, that this is kind of the blueprint that's always existed, right? You have to continuously be forethought. If something happens to your supply chain or rent goes up or anything that's outside, you don't complain like you said, Jeff, to the media and fixes all of our problems, you figure it out. All right, well, maybe we have to go to a cheaper facility or maybe we have to find a partner to help us grow and expand. It's not, it, it's been so, e- I, f- I feel like, for a simplistic term, it's been so easy for so long for so many people that now it becomes an instantly percentage harder. Everyone's like, what the hell? Like this is well, easy for think, me.
2: I also think that I, I'm not, I'm not knocking you, but I think that answer is sometimes a cop out because it was always easier to do it before than it is to do it now right. with, 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 with everything. Well, maybe some things technology makes things easier. You know, like it's easier to mow my lawn today than it was when I was a kid and, right. and, and the, and the lawnmower didn't have the, you know, the, the automatic where I just pulled a lever and it started moving. Right. I had to actually put, I actually had to push the lawnmower when I was a kid. You know, it's, it's easier to, to, yeah. to water the, lawn. Up the hill both ways, the right? sprinklers are better, the sprinklers are better that, but it, technology changes and evolves and, and makes things easier for people to, to do things, but it also makes it harder for things to be done. And I would say like, as a challenger brand, and most people on this are challenger brands as a challenger brand, why did you get into the space? Why did you see the opportunity to put your product online? And maybe you just have a competitor who's now doing it better than you. And so you need to up your game. And I see that a lot because they came in and saw what you were doing and they saw your listing and they, and they saw your pricing and they saw your lack of innovation. And they basically came in with a better, cheaper, you know, higher profitable product. And I think that one of the hardest things to do in the Amazon space is to be like a luxury product in a commodity market. Right. And I've seen a few people do it in like the speaker space um, where you're trying to compete against like the twenty five dollar suction cup speaker. And then, you know, some people are trying to sell the the, the multi hundred dollar Bluetooth speaker and they both want the term Bluetooth speaker. Well, it's hard to compete in that space, but you can when you're the luxury brand. But you have to approach the business differently as the luxury brand. And you have to understand whether people want that. I, I as a consumer, I saw that in the light bulb space. I needed uh, dimmable light bulbs for my kid's room. Well, I had all different price choices and needed to understand whether I wanted this really high-end light bulb that could, but the high-end light bulbs weren't iridescent light bulbs. that they, they were color changing LED, longer lasting, whatever they were. They had something more to them that that made them four times the price. And so I think like, it's something that you have to look at. And what, one of the pieces of advice we gave going into Prime Day was if you didn't have a Prime Day strategy, you, your Prime Day strategy should be to watch your competitors and figure out what their Prime Day strategy is. And that's a good point. see what they're doing and see how they're doing it so that you can then figure out what you want to be doing. And if you look at your competitors and say, well, that's not my buyer persona. Um, I'm more luxury brand than what they are. That can be all in well, except for the fact that does the consumer care? So, what does the consumer care about? And that that's what Casey said at the beginning. It was like, okay, you're trying to compare yourself to these people, to those people. Great. Go test the market to figure out whether the consumer the 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 consumer actually cares about what you consider your differentiator to be. Will they pay more for it? Because because your picture is nicer and prettier, but at the end of the day, you're both selling a light bulb, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and right. I think those are things you have to be thinking about. And if, if my customer is the eco-friendly, you know, millennial, and my light bulb lasts longer and gives money back to save the ocean, then maybe they will pay more for it than the person who's just trying to put a light bulb in their room.
0: Right. I, I, yeah, there, there's so many different things to unpack there, but at the end of the day, knowing who your customer is, making sure that you speak to them and it's not just a me too product. It's more of a, I'm going to solve this problem. This is my customer and I'm going to stay true to myself instead of, like I even like the idea of just watching your competition, how they're going to try to target or approach a day. If you may not want to give 50% off, 70% off on these holidays, because a lot of sellers I'm hearing it's just the the natural organic traffic, they're going to sit pat, they're going to not change their price. They're going to say, listen, they're going to understand that our product stands alone because of our reviews, because of our listing, because of our imagery. And that alone is going to be good enough. And, and they're going to find us one way or another. They're going to differentiate if I want to invest in something that's lasting or something that's just a, a deal for a quote unquote a deal. So there, a lot of sellers I think are opting for just stay pat and, and kind of just take traffic as it comes. You know, you're not going to see this, but it, but
2: that's huge, still that's right, still a strategy. You made right, it, exactly. It's still a strategy, right? The, the decision you made the decision that you weren't going to make that you weren't going to do it versus just kind of rolling with it and seeing what happens. But you also, if you have that attitude, you can't come back and go, "Well, why didn't my sales spike that day? It was Prime Day. I should have gotten more sales." Well, the consumer on Prime Day isn't isn't motivated to buy from you just because they're there. They're motivated to buy from you because it's prime day and they're looking for discounts. So yeah. you have to understand the consumer and their mindset as well.
0: Right. Uh, do you guys think, and this is kind of going to our uh, consumer online versus we're going back more into um, in-person events and people are getting out to the world. For once, I think even right before this, I know we all know Leron Hirschkrum, he posted some data that said, you know, just search traffic in general for a lot of top keyword performers for their clients are going down. And he said, they're pointing to that because of people are naturally want to travel. They're not shopping as much online, still very high. Is that a trend that we're starting to see going into summer, um, maybe into fall? Is that a trend that we'll start to see that this all-time high and buying and selling online is going to kind of uh, plateau out? And maybe we won't see as much Sell through as we we have been in the last few months.
1: Yeah, it's it's something that we've been talking about. I mean, we've been talking about since COVID started. You know what happens when when uh, COVID's over, if if that is a thing. Um, So uh, (laughs) I won't make any uh, funny jokes, but anyways, um, (laughs) anyways, uh, yeah, like so. I mean. We, we, we had a good May but like the question is okay now it's summer vaccination rates are higher things are continuing to open up like how how like what happens and I don't I don't exactly have an answer just yet um, but I like I think for us what's most important will be demonstrating our performance relative to the the overall market um, I like I don't think that Amazon, Amazon's, you know, dominance will subside in in any way. I think Amazon has established themselves in the average American household in, in the mind right. in building trust. I mean, it's just far too easy to return stuff, to get stuff, you know, y- you understand. Um, right. So, yeah, like I think Amazon's here to stay. Will there be some temporary uh, change in demand um, as the stimulus checks kind of run up, as unemployment, uh, like, you know, s- dries up? like. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I mean, we
2: might start to see inflation on Amazon as people shipping and other prices go up. The, the price of the goods on Amazon could start to increase.
1: Yeah, and, and you may see more people holding cash because there's you know volatility in the market. Like who knows? Um, I think for us in particular, uh, yeah, like our performance relative to the market is, is what's most important. And yeah, just, I mean, as always making long-term decisions again, I think Amazon's in a super good place. E-commerce is in a super good place. Never been better. This space is super hot, uh, both on the consumer side as well as the seller side. So we're in a good position. Yeah. I I, I don't know enough. I can't project enough. The, the, the short-term trends though. Yeah. I think the, the, the,
2: the, uh, the second, if I was going to ever buy another shirt besides the one that I wear, um, I would get one that said this one, you know. Cause they,
0: like, do you I have them? one? That, the, I, yeah, have, I was I, gonna say, Jeff, do you have more than one? Hopefully, I do. I've like, only seen one shirt. Like,
2: I have like two dozen. Huh. Um, I would get a shirt that says "It depends," because my first thing about that data is I have a lot of questions. Like, what's the product and what category? And like if you're talking about if he was talking about selling puzzles and coloring books, then, yeah, I would expect his impressions to have declined as we go into summer months. If baking was at an all time high throughout the pandemic, I would expect baking to decrease over the summer months as people are going outside. So, again, like who are your consumers and what are they trying to do and what are you trying to match that um, in comparison to? Uh, It's easy to kind of look at overall trends and say, well, yeah, I mean, I got plenty of clients that their search volume is 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 lower than than what it was six months, six months or or 12 months ago. But their product would indicate that it should be. Um, Mm -hmm. So is it is it a normal seasonality trend that's occurring or is it um, just that that product has kind of fallen out of favor with the covid, you know, bump that it had and casey i 100 percent agree with you amazon's not going away like the if anything amazon has converted more people to being prime shoppers that are now here to stay yeah very similar to the the grocery market and the people who Mm -hmm. are doing grocery
0: i was gonna say you're talking about shopping on more than just consumable good you're talking about like uh grocery you're talking about like video you're talking about everything the the slate that they have to offer music so on and so forth, right? Yeah, yeah you know, I think, I think Jeff had a, a good
1: point. And again, the, the comparisons, you know, I, I know some numbers of other non-Amazon businesses in, in the e-commerce world, and like, you know, they, they like their comparisons for April, 2021 to April, 2020, uh, 20, and same with May is like, I mean, it's depending on the market that you're in, super, super tough to, to match. Again, like as Jeff was saying, if you were selling, if you sell puzzles, I mean, the demand for puzzles is, is significantly different than it was uh, as as uh, lockdown was starting to pick up. So you said there's this guy named uh, Leron? What Was he? I'm just kidding. Yeah, so Leron. Uh, shout, shout out to
0: Leron. He knows, like, he yeah, knows like kid, He's a friend of the show.
1: He likes to be a shock. He's like a shock
2: jock. He likes to put stuff out there that that, that ask more questions than give answers.
0: All right. So
1: let me shock Leron um, real quick. I, I, I haven't done the, the research enough. I just pulled it up because I think I saw his example was garlic press, right?
0: Yeah, it was garlic press. In, yeah. It was from a solution that we won't talk about.
1: Okay. So, so th- the thing is, is <laughs> this started happening. I think m- maybe I wasn't paying attention enough uh, prior to, I think this started happening a lot like summer last year or something. So w- w- what you see happen is like, okay, garlic press is the prompt the primary keyword and out of nowhere, search volume drops for garlic press. But then if you go look at some of the, you know, uh, support terms, like secondary keywords, uh, you'll see them actually take uh, that search volume. So it's-, it's Stainless it's steel garlic it. press. It's, it's right. level. So yeah, so if you look at, uh, you know, looking at some tool, I guess we don't need to, to name names, um, the search volume for garlic press stainless steel has gone up from in May, it was at 6,000 searches a month to June, it's at 18 and a half thousand. So it's probably taken a decent percentage of that, that like, uh, you know, difference that Liron was showing. Right. Um, and so maybe, maybe we need to do a training with
0: Leron on how to do keyword research, but you know, that's say, you, you it could be another person that would look at those trends too, that I would yeah. trust, but, but
2: this loops us back to the beginning, right? Like if, if your keywords are the keywords that you, that, and you haven't changed your keywords and you haven't looked at new keywords within your space and you haven't looked at your competitors and seen what what's driving from them. You Well, first off, you might not have a stainless steel garlic press, so you can't use the word stainless steel. But if the, if the market has shifted and your keywords haven't shifted, then you may be optimized for the wrong term.
1: Yeah. And I just would the, the, the record show that uh, I'm just teasing with Liran and I, I talk to him all the time. We're, we're very good friends. But yeah, I see That's this. That's why I bring him up.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay.
1: So I see this happen actually often, and so it's it's important to say on top of your keyword research, to Jeff's point, because like it, it can happen like you know in a month as as it has in this case. A lot of times it, it goes back to you know the mean or you know whatever it was uh, previously. I, I I think it's some you know Amazon making changes to autocomplete. So as you start typing in garlic press, it's actually garlic press stainless steel that that is showing up. You can influence this, but I it, it's happening so much that I think. Uh, Amazon's doing it intentionally or not, but I think uh, the search bar auto-complete is what's driving. Well, that's
0: something you. I don't know the answer for either of you. If Amazon auto completes your term, does that ranking go towards the term that the user put in, or is that the term that Amazon will complete for you? They track the rank,
1: okay. but it, but it's the it's the full term.
0: Okay, so in that regards, if they happen to accidentally if Amazon auto completes it and I'm actually want to look for garlic press. Like if you drop
2: down into garlic, like you mean like if it's on the drop down and you pick the third one down. Yeah. Then your search term becomes that term.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. But if, yeah, in that regards, if it, if it fills for me and accidentally click enter or something like that and it just takes me to whatever the first thing that was autocompleted. That's what it'll give me the term for. Interesting. Yeah, um, but remember
2: Amazon, Amazon only cares about the term that ultimately drives to the conversion. So their right. data is, is going to, is going to wash out the, the, the misclicks that occur along the way. Um, yeah. Well,
1: yeah, if you think about it, a lot of your clicks into a suggestion are going to be these incomplete terms, "garlic pea," right? Okay, So it's there. I don't need to keep typing. I'll just click. So it'd be weird if you know you're now getting all this rank attribution for incomplete words. Absolutely. But I also
2: think, I also think that I also think that goes back to another one of our points was like, you can't just read this and say, "Oh, this is why my sales is down." You need to go figure it out specifically for your own like exactly like a knowledgeable person in the space identified a trend is sharing that trend. You now need to go figure out how that trend infl- impacts you and your business. You can't just assume that he identified that trend and therefore that trend is why something for you is working or not working. You have to go figure it out. And I think that uh, it creates the squirrel syndrome of like, Oh, you know, that must be my problem. Oh, that yeah, must right. be my problem.
0: chasing. Right. the problem. Yeah.
2: And this is also where, like, you know, Casey and I, when we did our when we did our listing teardown, we didn't have access to people's data. So we were just literally going through and just telling them what we saw wrong with their listing when we saw it. But a lot of times we were like, well, the first thing we would do is we'd look at your data and determine whether we should even be tearing apart your listing, because if you're at a 30 percent conversion, then. I don't know if I can really make a a substantial impact on, on, on your business. And so, you know, data, data has always been the the lead for, for both Casey and I of like, to figure out where your problem is, use data. And then as you have your data solve the problem that's ahead of you and then figure out the next problem along the way. Don't just say, Oh, Casey said, go redo all my images. I'm going to go redo my images. Um, because what Casey said was test to see whether you need to redo these and see how one performs compared to the other and understand before and after, before you do them, you can't just go in there and wholesale change things.
0: Well, that's, yeah, that's the takeaway that I'm having is obviously any screenshot of a moment in time in a perfect world can, can point to many different things, right? It can go for you or it can go against what your thought process sees is always look at data and then take a step back and then take a step back further, look at the whole picture and ultimately where are you trying to get and maybe why these nuances are happening because ultimately we're, everyone in this space can be a speedboat. You can ebb and flow too quickly and then obviously capsize. And when major corporations, they have to take a more bit, like if you're a Thrasio and you're a billion dollar entity, you have to take a more steady approach of like, is this actually the way we wanna shift because of data? All right, perfect. And we're gonna set sail that way. So. That being said, I, I guess moving forward into the rest of the year, what are the most important aspects that sellers need to just remember not to get not to get frantic? If we've if you're listening to this and they've got all of a sudden like I got to look at the ba- ground up, I don't think I'm doing the right thing. What do we need to remember moving forward into Q3, Q4, and then moving forward? Casey, you're on mute, too. Oh, don't tell don't the dog was, was a, it, it It's me. okay. For, for audio purposes, I don't want to have to go in and edit this. I wanted much. to watch and see how long you went. <laughs> and I'd be like, that was amazing. What it was a, great what stuff, a, yeah. What a rookie uh, mistake there.
1: the dog was working. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there, uh, there's a lot there. So I guess, like, yeah, relative to this, again, I think – not trying to find that silver bullet, you know, everyone used to think it was giveaways, then it was, I don't know, PPC, like, it's always something. Um, th- you know, there's no silver bullet that's going to help you get to where you, you want to go. You need an arsenal, you need to focus on kind of knocking down as, as many of these components that are going to feed the flywheel as possible. That flywheel drives better rankings, which drives more sales. That flywheel drives better uh, review velocity, more sales, drive more reviews, uh, if you're using a tool like uh, Seller Labs, for example, which then helps to drive more sales. So feeding that, and it's, it's a lot of things that you uh, may not be paying attention to. It's these uh, buy one, get one offers, lightning deals, virtual bundles, you name it, anything that you can do to to increase the velocity of, of your, your sales is going to be helpful short term and long term. Um, and then just tr- trying to take everything in scope. I mean, right now, like, you should have a a strong plan for Q4. Like you are are like coming up on your deadline for ordering inventory if you uh, aren't hitting it depending on your suppliers and so forth. It's just difficult to get stuff in, uh, you know, Amazon's warehouses. You should be looking at uh, third party uh, fulfillment providers to be able to actually fulfill your product if it's a new product or if you have a bad IPI score or inventory restrictions. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. It wasn't as uh, concise as Jeff is going to to do for us. Let's hear it, Jeff.
2: You, I'll make it really simple. Go back and listen to what Casey just <laughs> said and write it all down. Mm. Um, I think that, and I think that you, you know, Kate, you did an awesome job there, Casey, of just kind of rambling off things. But remember, they weren't in order, yeah. and you have to figure out your order and your priority order. And if you struggle with understanding your data and you struggle with understanding exactly where your business is and and what you need to do and and what order then that's where you should start plain and simple that's where you should start and i think that um you know you want some analysis and you want some help reach out you know we do a free data analysis where we'll we'll send you back a whole data spreadsheet with uh google data studios giving you a whole bunch of charts and 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 stuff about your business to kind of visualize how your business is doing. We do that for free. Um, Reach out to, to, to people on LinkedIn um, and, and see if somebody can maybe help you or, you know, I, if you reach out to me, I can't speak for anybody else. If you reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, I probably did about 20 additional listing teardowns where people said, Hey, will you do this? We, you didn't get to mine. Will you do mine? And I did a three minute video and I sent them the video. Um, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't that's take awesome. a ton of time for us to do. Um, you know, just understand like, I'm not going to respond to you like within an hour, I, you know, it took me you know a week or so to get through everybody, but they're fun. Like they're fun for, for me to yeah, do. Sorry. So reach out. We're here. We're here. We're willing to help. I mean, I'll be at, um, prosper. Um, come up to me, tell me you heard this, you know, ask me questions. I think that, that that's my last piece of advice that I'll give is, Um, If you do in-person events, it's the number one opportunity you have to get free consulting for your business. And so you can find somebody like Casey or you can find somebody like me or find somebody like like Liron, who normally would charge, potentially charge or not have time to talk to you, who will sit down for five, 10 minutes and talk to you about your business and give you suggestions Casey and I. Sometimes it shows. We'll start talking, and we get a crowd of people that are around us who just want to listen in to whoever we're talking to because they know that they're going to get value from listening. So think of those as opportunities as um, as you're learning how to how to grow your business and put more into. And I think you called it your arsenal. So I like that. I like that. I'm going to steal that at, at the end there. I stole it from a, a the-
1: launch copywriter. Yeah, to like. <laughs> you know, I'm more of an introvert. I've I've definitely become uh, more of an extrovert as I was, you know, running viral launch and going to these events and stuff. But definitely uh, don't, you know, you you may be nervous, but, you know, please come up, uh, talk to us, talk to anybody. Um, I mean, that's why people are there, is to talk to other people. Everybody's, you know, going through something relatively similar. You probably don't have these kind of entrepreneur friends in your, you know, community that your network that you grew up with. So uh, yeah, it's fun. You you get to learn a lot. You can provide value to them, uh, and you may not even realize. So yeah, I always right. say offer to buy
2: offer to buy somebody dinner or a drink. Now you don't have to offer it to Casey or I. Just like if you see, hear nice. somebody in a if you hear somebody in a in a yeah offer it to offer it to Ryan. Yep. Yeah, you, I was
0: like, hey, my my, I'll be the first time for anything. So <laughs> you, i'm if down you I'll just talk session,
2: if you hear somebody in a session, ask a really good question go up and talk to them and say, hey, where are you going after this? Uh, can I buy you a drink at the bar? I'd love to chat with you about this. Like those are the things that start lifelong friendships and relationships that allow you to take your business to the next level. You know, or again, virtually, if you're not going to an event, reach out on Facebook or Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever and just reach out and ask. You'd be shocked by how many people just don't do that. And if they did, would realize the door opens for them.
1: Yeah, the, the amount of like, meaningful connections uh, that I've made from these events, like is, is difficult to uh, quantify. It definitely changed the trajectory of my life in, in one way or another, as uh, dramatic right. as that sounds.
0: To use the cliche, your network is your net worth. So I've always heard the saying, the five people you connect with or talk with the most is who, like, that's the level you're going to be on. Like so the always value, talking, The
2: value of those right. people is, is the value you aspire to be.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's the thing is, you know, even in this position, just social listening to people and constantly trying to learn, all three of us, I would say, is I definitely didn't know what I know now, a year ago, a year uh, two years ago. And I'm assuming with you guys is that you've just been around a long, long time to understand and see a lot of these processes change so you can tell that story of what worked, what doesn't, and kind of move forward. And people just don't have that experience yet. But that's kind of the beauty of. Blazing the trail, if you will, whether starting a software solution or running it—you know—a multi-million-dollar, billion-dollar entity like you guys are now—is that you guys have just seen the the bad, but also have seen the, a lot of the good and help people get there. So that, that's great for events. That's great for digital content and just building your network in general. Is there is there other ways that people should be able to reach out to you directly, or via email, or should they go to your website? Because I know this teardown will link to it. Make sure it's already in our comment section. It's in the teardown. I know Caroline mentioned it earlier in the comment section. Uh, If you want to look and watch the entire one hour and 22 minutes, I think that you guys broke down some of these things. It's there on that page on Seller Labs. Is there other ways people should reach out to you both? Or just through websites or messaging or anything? uh,
2: Sellerlabs.com or LinkedIn is the best best way to, to get a hold of me.
1: LinkedIn or, or, or Instagram. I, uh, it's an area of, of, uh, opportunity to improve for me, but, uh, yeah, uh, probably LinkedIn or, 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 maybe Instagram.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time. I know this is long time coming for getting Casey on the show and Jeff coming back, obviously to, to impart his wisdom. I'm always writing down notes. Like you guys should see my notebook. It's 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 not blank it's it's just a very glary setup in here but it's always full notes when both of you talk so thank you so much for hopping on today as always and uh, follow them on social media we're linking to you guys and all that content so thanks for hopping on and just imparting your wisdom of tearing down and hopefully not breaking out uh breaking down the dreams of some of these sellers as you are ripping them apart but it is what it is your growing process right Yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks guys. I appreciate it as always. And thank you again for hopping on Crossover Commerce. This is episode 121. Again, where we bring the best insights and experts uh, to the Amazon and e-commerce space so that you, the listener, if you're listening to this or watching this, we want to make sure that you improve your business moving forward. That's why we do this. That's why I bring my network on to help you out in these capacities. So hopefully you learned something today, but make sure you tune in and subscribe to our channels on social media. Follow me on Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, reach out if you have questions or if you have questions and watching this later, go ahead and tag Casey or Jeff as well. And I'm sure they'll get back to you as well. Check me in, uh, check us out again tomorrow. We'll go live again, uh, talking about inventory limits. We're going to be talking with James McConnell Jr. um, As well. He has a lot of insights and data in terms of inventory limits, supplier pay, um, just seeing what the data is showing in terms of those limits for lots of sellers out there and helping them grow in that capacity and kind of adjusting as we're moving forward but that being said this is crossover commerce make sure you guys take care out there and we'll catch you guys next time